While they're getting in place, let's, um, let's just acknowledge God's presence among us. That'd be all right? Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are here. Thank you that um, this day is yours. What we long for most of all, God, is that you will be glorified in these minutes. You are great beyond our comprehension. We love you. Amen. You've just been singing, but I'm still going to ask a question. What do you believe about Jesus? What do you believe about Jesus? I think maybe I could find at least four types of responses in this room right now. I imagine that some of you are thinking, I don't know and I don't care and I don't know why I should care about some old dead guy from history. So don't bother me, I have homework to do. Others might be saying, I believe in Jesus. He is God's son and he's the way to God. We all believe that, so Judy, get on with some new thoughts. Still a third group might be thinking, yeah, I I believe in Jesus, but I I don't really believe he's the only way to God. God is loving, so he certainly wouldn't condemn anyone who is trying to know him. So I think people who worship Buddha and Mohammed, they can get to God too. Jesus is good, and, but he's not the only way. And then I think there's another group that probably is saying, I just don't know what I believe. I feel confused more often than I feel clear. I start to believe and then something happens in my life. And I say, really? Is he really real? Are any of those positions close to where you are today? Well, I have a confession to make. It's taken me months to be courageous enough to publicly declare what I believe about Jesus. You see, I like peace. I like to bring people together and not stir up controversy. In fact, back in June, when I was given the privilege of sharing today from the book of John, I picked chapter six. I picked really fast because it contains stories that I like. From the beginning, you see Jesus fed thousands of people with five loaves of bread and two fish. And I love the time that Jesus walked on the wild sea in the dark of night toward terrified teammates, disciples who were frightened, and he says these comforting words, don't be afraid, it is I. 
and then he rescues them. When I asked for this chapter, I thought it would be safe and encouraging. And then I got into the study and I realized that the whole point of this chapter is not Jesus' miracles. The point of this chapter is Jesus himself. And I began to panic a little. I, like the people in this chapter, enjoy the idea that I can come to God to get my needs met, whether that's daily food or rescue from storms. But right in the middle of this chapter, Jesus sort of smacks them and us upside the head when he essentially says, you are looking for me because I gave you enough food to fill your belly. Do not work for food that spoils, but work for food that endures to eternal life. The people ask him, what must we do to do the work God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. What? Is Jesus saying that our true work is merely to believe in Jesus? Is it possible that it takes work, hard work, to hold on to our belief in Jesus as the one who is God's son sent to save us. Actually, as I began to wrestle with this, I thought that I wondered if it's a partial answer to a concern that sometimes keeps me up at night. You see, through the decades, I've watched wonderful women and men a lot like you grow strong in their faith in Jesus. And then, well, I want to show you. Kyle is you. Kyle represents you, and this represents Kyle's declaration of belief in Jesus Christ. When you entered IWU, if this community is living out faith as we hope, then you step into a place where many people are growing in their discovery of and love for God. In this environment, you find that it is life-giving to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord, your provider, your guide. You sing about him, you worship him, you're taught about him in all your classes. And what happens is your belief is strengthened by others who believe very similarly to you. Sure, there are days and seasons that are tough, but during those times when your faith sort of wobbles, somebody around you encourages you, speaks the truth, lifts you up, and increases your faith. And then you graduate. and everything changes. 
You step into environments where far fewer people share your faith. In some of the environments that you will be in, no one but you will believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Rather than living in a faith community where your faith is supported, you now have to work hard to hold on to your faith because there are not as many people there to encourage you. In the new environment, you are considered foolish, rigid, stupid to believe in Jesus Christ as the way to God. And I have watched way too many people walk away from their faith when they walk away from IWU. Because suddenly, believing is a very high-risk venture. And I'm fearful that we didn't help you know that it takes work and courage to believe all the days of your life. <laughs> they did great. Thank you, guys. So what does it look like to work hard to hold on to your belief in Jesus? Should we defiantly shut down anyone who doesn't believe? Do we blog and tweet loud antagonizing messages to show that we believe in the one true God? Do we burden ourselves with all sorts of spiritual practices to convince God and others that we believe? And what's enough work? Do the former students who walked away from faith just not work hard enough to maintain their loyalty to Jesus Christ? Well, I have a marvelous discovery that I want to share with you. You see, I was wrong. I read it wrong. Ten days ago, I was talking with a friend about this sermon, and he told me to look again at what I was reading. Well, I had probably read it a hundred times already, but with Dave grinning at me, I looked again and oh my stars. God opened my eyes. Just look at what this says. Read it with me out loud now. The Who's doing the work? The work of God is this. It is God that makes me able to believe. It's not me working so hard that I finally get it right. I, it is God's work, not my work. That changes everything for me at least. Because there was something in me as I read this that felt so overwhelmed by figuring out, God, how, how do I do it? <laughs> I don't have to do it. <laughs> it's done. 
God did it. It's his work. And because the work of knowing is God's, what I get to do is receive. I don't have to have this all figured out. It's okay that I have lots of questions. Yes, I am concerned about people who have never even heard Jesus' name. What happens to them? No, I don't want my faith in Jesus to seem exclusive in a way that communicates to others that I somehow think I am better than they are because they don't believe. And what about my loved ones who are indifferent to Jesus? Will they spend eternity in hell? It terrifies me. But with these and even more questions, because of the work of faith that God himself gives to me, I, Judith Huffman Crossman, can declare to you that I believe that Jesus Christ is the only Son of God and the only way to God, and that for all who believe in him, we become the children of God. Why did that take so much courage for me to say? Because even here we're questioning it. I hear it. I hear people who say, hmm, let's not quite be so rigid. But Jesus has done the work for me and he has given me faith and I believe in Jesus Christ, the one and only Son of God. And the amazing new discovery is that my ability does not, to believe, does not rest on me or my efforts. God offers me this life-altering gift of faith. He offers it to you too. So what does this mean right now for you? If you were in the first group, I am confident that God is already at work drawing you to a place where you will be, are you beginning to know that old man from history who in fact is not dead, but very much alive and very much in love with you. If you were in the second group, you believe and probably are working hard at hanging on to your faith. I want to remind you this morning that the work is already done. What you get to do, the way you get to live your life is to receive from God and to keep receiving. Place yourself in settings where God's good gifts are being poured out. Keep spending time in the word and prayer. If you haven't, find a good church home and live in a vibrant faith community from this day forward. Continue to walk in obedience, but not as work. Rather, engage in these practices with a heart that is eager to receive God and his gifts of love and grace. If you were in group three, 
May I just share a couple thoughts? I'd like for you to consider that God is offering you faith to believe what seems impossible and unreasonable to you. He is offering you faith to believe in Jesus, his one and only son. It takes faith. If you fear that to believe Jesus is the only way to God is intolerant, then consider that whatever we believe means there's something we don't believe. To not believe in Jesus is not a decision to be against other people. In fact, receiving the call to believe in Jesus Christ is a call to love everyone. It is possible to love and yet believe differently than others. And the best I can tell, and this matters to me, as I look at other faith traditions, Jesus is the only way we are invited into a relationship with God in which he becomes a loving father. That's very different than merely a sovereign God. So if you are in group three, will you at least consider that maybe it's okay to believe in Jesus? If you were in group four, I want you to know that your curiosity, your questions, your seeking, that all comes from God himself. You didn't conjure that up on your own. God gives you the ability to wonder. And he is the one who will give you faith. When I consider those who once believed but who have walked away from their faith, I wonder if they found that their work to believe just wasn't enough because it never is. I wonder if they worked rather than receiving God's love and grace. Oh, that they will allow themselves to receive again from God who has never stopped loving them. If this was the end of the chapter, it would be wonderfully hard enough, but there's a little more, and this gets even weirder. After he invites us to believe in him, then Jesus declares that he is the living bread that has come out of heaven, and he says that we need to eat him. Somebody coughed. I'm going to say it again. He says that we need to eat him. These are the words. Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. 
Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them, just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father. So the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This, Jesus says, pointing to himself, this is the bread that came down from heaven. Now, I know that hearing these words totally creep me out on so many levels. On one hand, this sounds an awful lot like eat me, which is a term that we so often associate today with sexual assault. Do you think that's what Jesus meant? I don't. Because it is not about overpowering another for personal gratification that Jesus is speaking of. But equally disgusting is that it sounds like cannibalism. Do you think that's what Jesus meant? I don't. This is not an invitation for us to take a life. This is an invitation from Jesus. It's completely opposite. This is an invitation to receive life. Jesus gave us his life to make a way for us to live forever. So what on earth is he saying? If you look down a bit further in verse 63, right in the midst of this conversation, Jesus says, the spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the spirit and life. What Jesus did was to draw from one of the most familiar things in every one of our lives, eating. Jesus knew that we were created to need food for survival. You see, if I only look at this apple, if I just stand and look at it, it does me no good. I must receive it into my very being so that it can sustain my life. But an apple can't feed my spirit. This is the food that spoils. I need something more. And so Jesus came from heaven to earth to become our bread of life. He lived among us as fully human and fully divine. And then he allowed his body to take on all the sins of the entire world and he offered it up to death carrying our sins with him. And then he overcame death. God invites us to receive faith to be able to believe in Jesus. And Jesus gives us a ritual to tangibly express our belief in him by inviting us to do what we all do best, eat. In faith, we receive the bread which represents his physical body. So we are declaring when we receive communion that we believe in Jesus. And in faith, we receive the cup which represents life. So we are receiving faith to believe in Jesus and we are receiving life that is abundant now and always. And so this morning, in just a moment, you are invited to come to Jesus' table where he offers you a place to declare that you believe. 
When you receive the bread, those serving you will say, this is Christ's body broken for you. Receive God's gift of faith. And as you place the bread in the cup, you will hear these words, this is my blood shed for you. Receive God's gift of love and life. When you receive the bread and the cup, you are declaring to God that you believe. And as you believe, you step into the divine and eternal love of God. At this time, I invite all who are serving to go to their stations. If this practice is new to you, what we are doing is called communion or the Eucharist or the Lord's Supper. Different people call it different things. In our faith tradition, any person who is sincerely seeking to know God is invited to this sacred gift of communion with God. As you approach a station, you will be offered a piece of bread Receive and hold this precious gift and then dip it into the cup. In doing this, you are telling God and those around you that you receive God's faith to believe in Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. Hear now the word of God. The Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, on that night, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And so, Father God, we invite you to bless your body and your cup. And may we who receive do so with great faith and joy. This we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. I invite you now, there are stations here, here, in the back, across the front, and there is one station that is gluten-free. Receive now God's invitation to express your belief in him.